excited to be speaking at the end tonight. There are so many of you, which is so fun to see all of your beautiful faces. Um, like Mike said, um, missions and college students are my two biggest passions. And um, my faith really came alive for me when I was in college, got to go on a lot of mission trips um, and just was a part of seeing what God was doing around the world. And so that is why I love my job. I love connecting you all to seeing the bigger picture of uh, the kingdom at work. So actually right before I started this job, Mike almost gave it away, but um, I'm actually, I was a mission quarter, sorry, I was a missionary on what's called the world race, where, uh, yeah, let's go, um, where I served in 11 countries in 11 months, um, served in Central America, Southeast Asia, East Africa. There's a picture of me um, doing some laundry by hand, did that all year and teaching with fruit, fun times. Um, so yeah, I lived out of a backpack, slept on the ground, lived on $5 a day, um, and partnered with long-term missionaries in order to share the love of Jesus with everyone. So random fact, I was actually in Rwanda at the time, and yeah, let's go Rwanda, heck yeah. Yeah, Mikaela, let's go. Um, and I actually Skyped for this job, did a Skype interview when I was in a hostel in Rwanda, in the basement, in the owner's bedroom's bathroom. So I was actually next to a shower head, and in the middle of my Skype interview, Mike goes, whoa, 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 wait, is that a shower head behind you? I'm like, yep, yeah, it is. Funny story, I'm actually in a bathroom. So, true story. So actually, there's a story that I wanna share tonight that happened to me on the world race during my last month in Kenya. And so I was actually tasked with a solo project to make a, a prayer wall for our ministry. And you know, like a huge wall that people can like hang their prayers on. That one exactly, hey-o. Um, and I was so excited. I was so excited to finally be able to get creative and turn my vision into a reality. And so I had a wood palette, got the wood stain. Actually, that little white uh, prayers drawing such a, such a thing is actually made out of like white nail polish because that's all we had at the time. So did that for a long time. Um, but <laughs> got a hammer and nails and was pretty set to go. So I was so pumped because this is how it was gonna leave my mark. It was like the last day of the world race. And I was like, this is how I'm gonna leave my mark on the ministry. It's gonna be great. Um, so I leaned the board against the wall, got the hammer and nails, turned on some worship music, and was so excited to put the final touches on it. But lo and behold, I had a hammer and nail and was struggling hardcore. Each, each nail probably took me like 20 to 30 minutes um, just trying to like get it into the wood. Um, and I remember I was like kept on jamming my fingers and was just so frustrated. And I was like, God, can you just please help me? <laughs> I'm trying to do something for your ministry. I'm trying to do something for your kingdom and it's just not working. So I was getting super frustrated. And I was like, God, can you just help me please? So shortly after, my friend Jonathan walks by and he's like, hey, Kelsey, do you need any help? And of course, prideful Kelsey's like, oh, no, 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 got it, we're good. You're good. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, 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 we're good. And so he walks away and I continue to be frustrated and super stubborn because I'm very determined and I don't like to give up. Um, but yet I find myself crying out to God. I'm, God, can you just please help me out here? Just a little bit of your grace would be great. So 30 minutes later, still working on the same nail, Jonathan walks by again and he's like, Kelsey, do you need help? And it was in that moment when it hit me. God was actually trying to help me out the whole time. I just didn't have the eyes to see it. I was so stubborn and set on doing things in my own way that when God was helping me, I just rejected it. I didn't even take the help. So in full surrender, <laughs> I stepped aside and swallowed my pride and was like, all right, Jonathan, can you help me? 
So he proceeds to tell me that, you know, we should put the wall on the ground, you know, like you would actually do, but, you know, I've never done that before, so didn't know that that was a thing. Um, so anyway, we move it on the ground, and then I go on and on and on about how, like, I'm using the, like, wrong nails or, like, the wrong hammer, like, should have gotten a power drill, doing things to basically justify the fact that I was failing. <laughs> Who's been there, right? Um, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just, you know, if it was a power drill, would have gotten it so much quicker. No, no. Um, so anyway, sets on the ground, grabs the nails and the hammer, gives it two little taps, it's in. Like literally less than five seconds. <laughs> so imagine how mad I am. I'm like, <sighs> all right. Just gotta let that one set in. But I was actually really excited because like God would like give me the help that I needed once I like recognized it, but was also like very prideful and was like, ah, could have done it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the reality of that is that I just needed to step out of the way and open my eyes to see what God was doing and missed my struggle. So I think that that is a pretty good picture for what we're gonna jump into tonight in Daniel 3. God might be doing something around us. He might be working in a way that is different than what, in the way that we expected him to work. So sometimes we're looking for God to show up in a very specific way, right? And then we find ourselves really disappointed when he doesn't do exactly the thing that he, we, want, he, we wanted him to do. And so for example, in my case, I was like, okay, I was like really praying for like some supernatural strength, you know, just to get like the hammer at the exact angle that the nail like needed to go, right? Um, but good old Jonathan, my friend, nailed it the first try, pun intended, hey oh, hey. You know I love puns, let's go, here, here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so the reality is that God is alive and working and in our own lives, but it might be in a different way than we thought. So the same way, sorry, the same way God provided me with help, it wasn't the way I was hoping to get help because I wanted to do it on my own. But I thought God, so uh, anyway, I'd love to pray for our time tonight that God would do something in this space that is maybe not what we expected going into tonight. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this space to share more of your heart. Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would just take over my words and let them be your words. Let this be your message tonight, God. I surrender my plans and my preparation to you, the things that I expected to do. God, I just pray that you would just, your kingdom come, your will be done. Would you open our eyes and open our hearts to hear what you have to say tonight? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That was louder than I expected. <laughs> so tonight we'll be continuing into Daniel 3. Uh, we'll be jumping into the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So if you grew up going to church, chances are that you've heard this story before of the three Jewish boys and their bold faith in the fiery furnace. So here's my challenge to you up front, because if you know me well, you know I love to challenge people. Sometimes when we, hey, what's up? Uh, <laughs> sometimes we have a tendency to hear a Bible story that we've heard before, kind of put the check on the checklist of like Bible stories we've heard and check out. See what I did there? Like check, check out. And like, you know, another pun intended. I see you right there. Let's go. But tonight I pray that you listen to this message with new ears to hear, knowing that there's a message that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you right here, right now. And that the fact that we can read scripture hundreds of times and get something new out of it each time. So I pray that this is a time where you can check in. And that's what I invite you into tonight. 
So whether you've heard the story or not, wanted to share a little context into who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are. So originally hearing this story, I kind of imagined them to be like huge, strong men. I don't know if you have too. Um, but lo and behold, they are not. They're actually teenage boys, like 11 to 14 years old, like preteen chicken soup for the teenage soul teenagers, you know? <laughs> so the reality is that they're uprooted from Judah and they're taken uh, from their family and friends, taken from everything that they know, and they're forced to be slaves in the powerful nation of Babylon. So to summarize the first part of the story, we find that in Daniel 3, um, we see King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, and he builds this 90-foot tall statue made of gold. And so some believe it was a golden idol pagan god that the Babylonians worshipped, and some believe it was a golden statue of the king himself. So the king makes an announcement saying, all right, everyone, when you hear the music, everyone has to bow down and worship this golden statue. And if you don't bow down, you're gonna be thrown at the fiery furnace. So like a huge oven, you know, flames and all. So naturally under fear, everyone bows down. We're not just talking everyone, we're talking like the magistrates and the treasurers and the counselors and the governors and anyone who's powerful. And so some officials notice that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not bowing down and they rat them out to the king. So naturally this makes the king pretty angry, right? You know, if you're disobeying, that would make someone mad, who's a, you know, very powerful. Um, and he commanded that the three um, Jewish boys be brought to him. And so the king reminded them of the consequences. And that's when we'll jump into Jan Daniel 3, verses 16 through 30. So let's take a look at their response to the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of the gold you have set up. So imagine the pressure that they're feeling in this moment, right? They're just called out for not bowing down and they're straight up confronting the king about it. They're standing firm in their faith, knowing the persecution ahead of them. And they're saying that, yeah, 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 God is going to rescue us from it, this, but even if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow down. So let's see what happens next. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded that the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Next slide. So these men wearing these ro uh, their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. So guys, like what is happening here? This is a pretty crazy story, right? The king was furious and he decided to turn up the heat seven times hotter. They were bound up, or yeah, bound up, and they were thrown into the furnace. And the fire was so hot that it actually killed the king's army's men. So imagine like how freaked out they are at this point, right? They made a commitment, we're about to face the consequences and we're kind of just like together in this tension. So let's see what happens next. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and threw, and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly your majesty. He said, 
Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unarmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. So even though the army men threw only three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king and his officials saw that there was a fourth person with them. So some people believe that this is actually God's presence with them. Some people believe it was an angel, but the reality is that God was with them in the fire. These men's bindings were undone. They were walking in the midst of the fire, but the fire wasn't hurting them and God was with them. This is crazy stuff, right? All right, let's move on to the next verse. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing fire, furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the royal advisors crowded all around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. So first we see that King Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God that they worship, is the most high and supreme God. Like this is a 180, right? And then we see that everyone bears witness to the miracle that just happened. The three men walking out of the fire completely unharmed. God rescued them. But like we said, it probably wasn't in the way that they were anticipating. Sometimes we want God to rescue us before we even find ourselves in the fire. But as we know, the fire is where the miracle happened and they came out on the other side. And so that's the text that we're sitting in tonight. So let's go back to verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing fully firm knowing their penalty. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I could have done that if I was them. Can I be real here for a second? Like that's pretty bold. I don't know if I would have had as much faith to be honest. I don't know if I could have like gone through that pain and that struggle knowing what was ahead. I mean, if I'm gonna be really honest with myself, I don't know if, you know, in that case, I would have actually found myself maybe even going along with the cultural things that were going on just to avoid with the pain and the fire entirely. Like I probably would have sold out, but here we find that these men don't sell out. They remained in, they, uh, we see that the three maintained integrity. They trusted God with their circumstances. Their faith was not dependent on their circumstances. They knew that God was good. They remembered how he showed up in their past circumstances, like we talked about in Daniel 2 and Daniel 3. They remembered God's character and no circumstance was gonna change that. So my hope in that is that our faith would not be dependent upon our circumstances. That by developing a relationship with Jesus, we would come to know him and know that he is worthy of putting our trust in. And that as that relationship with him grows, we would trust him when our life is great and we would trust him when our life is a struggle. But the reality is that I think it's our tendency at times when we look at the situations around us and just like the struggle that we're in to view God based on our circumstances. Like when things are good, y'all have been there, right? Like things are really good, God is good, right? I think that's our natural tendency. But when times are hard, sometimes it's really easy to find ourselves like, where is God? Where is he showing up? I don't see him. Or sometimes in that, we kind of think God maybe isn't good. And there's no shame in that, that's real. We've all been there, right? But I wanna go back to the thick of the pressure. Have you all been there? Are you there right now? Have you felt the heat of the moment where you feel the fire engulfing you? You feel kind of just like you're drowning by just like the pressure. When life feels like it's too hard, when things maybe aren't going your way, 
when you're maybe not getting along with your roommates or you feel stressed out about your future or when you're feeling abundance of tension or maybe you're in a sorority or fraternity and feel like you're the only Christian or maybe you're in the thick of some deep family hardships or maybe some financial debt or whatever it is, the trials just keep coming and coming and coming and you're just feeling just so overwhelmed by them. What do you do? Do you let the pressure get to you? Do you give up? Do you isolate yourself? Do you give in? Here's where Daniel 3 intersects with our lives. Here's the tough reality. Life is hard. College is hard. This world that we live in is hard. It's very evil. If you can turn on the news for five minutes and see that. There's so much pain around us. And it feels like we have all been in the fiery furnace at some point in our lives. We can't escape it. We live in a fallen and broken world. And so that's the thing that I kind of want to sit in tonight is that sometimes we kind of go into life thinking life is great, this world is great. But if we go back to actually like the Garden of Eden in the fall, scripture tells us that sin infected everything and sin corrupted everything. Therefore, we live in a fallen and broken world. Good is not the norm. And that's what we're trying to say here is that this like bad, evil, painful, hurtful stuff in life, that's the norm. God's love and grace is the, the exception. Sometimes I think we view life as if life's good and then we're suddenly surprised when bad things happen. But the, the, since the fall corrupted everything, we know that this is a fallen and broken world, but God's love is the exception. And I think that that's the reality that we live in a fallen, broken world. God's love is the exception. We walk through pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of pressure and a lot of trials. So what do we do with it? Friends, tonight, if there's anything I want you to remember, it's that, we can go to the next slide. The fiery furnace has the opportunity to melt us or to mold us. That's our message tonight. My hope is to help us see how tonight we can engage with what God is doing and it might look different than what we originally thought. Remember, it might not look the way that we think it should look. We might pray that we don't even get to the fire, but how do we engage what God is doing amidst it and allow the trials that we face to mold us and shaping us into the people with a growing faith? So tonight I'm gonna break down what it looks like to let situations mold us or melt us. And I know what you all are thinking right now. Oh, Kelsey, that's great. That's nice that you can let a situation mold you or melt you, that's nice, but you don't get me. You just don't get what I'm dealing with. And I wanna say that you're probably right. I probably don't ex exactly get what you're going through, but just because this is like my job and just because I'm on staff and just because I'm up here speaking to you all, doesn't mean that life is easy. I'm gonna let you in in a very painful current moment of my life that I'm wrestling with. And honestly, I've wrestled with whether I should even get up here tonight and talk because of the present fiery furnace that I'm finding myself in. And so I've been a really tough place um, as of Christmas break, and it's something that's really hard to talk about, so we'll see how this goes. Um, but without going into a lot of detail, my best friend's brother, two years ago, um, he was murdered, and he was at a party. His name was William, he's a teenager, and someone decided to come into the party and shoot up the place. So him and this other girl passed away. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to walk alongside my best friend in. The fact that her brother died from this unexplainable thing. So over this past Christmas break, 
My same best friend, her teenage sister, remember they lost their brother. She was at a party when a shooter decided to shoot up the place. She stood face to face with a shooter, thinking that that's how her life was gonna end. Thinking that she would go the exact same way that her brother did. And the shooter for some reason decided to shoot the kid next to her and he died, but she lived. She survived. And the trauma that my best friend and her family are walking through, (laughs) all these wounds that they had that they're reopening, it is unreal, guys. And I've entered into that pain and it's had an effect on me that's really hard to describe. I've had nightmares every single night. I haven't been able to sleep. My thought life has been horrific. It's been really all consuming. And I feel like I'm drowning, but on the outside, maybe everything looks fine, but I'm really struggling with the weight of this. There's not a moment where I'm not thinking about it or something small that gives me anxiety triggers it. It's like all consuming. It's hard for me to accomplish small tasks like texting people back or finding parking. I'm consistently overwhelmed. And so I wanna say that I have been seeing a counselor, so I'm a really big advocate for that. Um, And I've been diagnosed with PTSD, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, and and secondhand trauma. And so I tell you this because the struggle is real. This world is really fallen and broken and really messed up sometimes. But I'm right there in the fire, feeling the pressure on all sides. And so again, this is a hard night for me to preach. I would love my first time preaching at the end for me to have it all together. Life is good, preach the message, we're good. But that's the reality that I don't think it's a coincidence (laughs) that I'm going through all this trial and this trauma (laughs) and my message is on trial and trauma, right? The reality is that God is doing something here and I wanna engage with that. I don't wanna run away from it. We live in a fallen, broken world where pain is the norm and God's love enters in. Over break, our staff was reading the book, My My Name is Hope by John Mark Colmer. And he says this, we can ask God, God, help me get out of this. Help me get out of this. Or we can ask God, God, help me get something out of this. So that brings me back to our main message tonight. The furnace has the opportunity to melt us or to mold us. So we're gonna be talking about what the difference between those two things are. So first, it melts us when we think that the trial is a sign that God is absent. We think that this bad thing is happening, God is not there. But it molds us when we realize that God is with us in it. So I think of that first part, it melts us when we think the trial is a sign that God is absent. I think of Peter when he was walking on water. Jesus was right in front of him and he's trusting in God. He has his eyes fixed on him and he's walking on water in obedience because he has his eyes fixed on Jesus and he's doing the impossible. But the second that he looks around at the wind and waves around him, he begins to sink. God was with him, God was right there, but his attention was fixed on the storm and the trial that he was in instead of, his, instead of his faith in Jesus. And I think that we have to actively remember this second part that God is with us and sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but God is with us. And just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego with the fourth figure in the fire, God was with them. God's presence was with them in the fire, in the trial they were going through. They weren't alone. Anytime in the Old Testament, before they went into battle, the army would always take time to remember God and remember how he showed up. 
And that's something that I like to incorporate in my walk with the Lord is that sometimes when I'm going through hard times, I have to look back and remember how God showed up and how God rescued me from the fiery furnace in order to help move me forward and get through the next fiery furnace and move through it. So what does it mean for us to recognize God's presence in whatever situation we're with? Do we have the eyes to see that God is actually with us in the fire? My encouragement to you with this one is this. Ask God what he's doing, specifically and literally ask him. Make space to see where he's at work. Ask God, God, what am I not seeing? Maybe that looks like writing out the trials that you're in. Maybe that looks like writing out your fears and anxieties. Allow God to speak truth over that, literally with a different color pen, even like crossing that out and asking the Lord to speak into that. It's a powerful thing. I literally did it today because I feared talking at the end. And here we go, putting that into practice. It worked out. Um, so second one over here is that it melts us when we try to ignore it and move on. And it molds us when we move through it and engage it. It's really easy to act like it's not that big of a deal. How often do we do this with the trials or the situations in our life? Oh yeah, 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 not a big deal. We kind of like stuff it down and act like it's not there. But y'all, this is actually making us numb to any sort of emotion. That leads to apathy. We're forcing ourselves to become numb to pain and that infects other areas of our life. That's why it's hard to feel joy when we're numbing pain. So it molds us when we move through it and engage it. Maybe it's not the question, what you're running from. Maybe it's asking the question, what are you running to? So the reality of that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, was that they were under pressure, the threat of being thrown into the fiery furnace. And they were already feeling lots of pressure, but they chose to move through it and they chose to, um, they chose to acknowledge the king and they didn't run from it. They acknowledged him head on and they acknowledged the tension that they were living in. So my encouragement with you with this one is that acknowledge the pain that you're in. Don't suppress it. Don't act like it's not a big deal. It is real. It's valid. Your feelings are valid. The pain you're going through is real. We need to acknowledge it. So the third one over here is it melts us when we stay alone in what we're going through and it molds us when we invite others into the struggle with us. When we isolate ourselves and put up walls, it's really easy to cut ourselves off from other people in our lives that are also walking through the trials of life. But y'all, this is the reality is that all of us are struggling or have struggled or will struggle. We live in a fallen and broken world. That's the norm, right? We have the gift of community and miss that. That is God's love for us, honestly, is fellowship and community. Let's lean into that gift that he's given us. Personally, I've been so encouraged in this time where I've, I can literally text someone and say, hey, can you pray for me? And I'll get like eight texts back being like praying. Yes, for sure. My roommates are great at that. My friends are great at that. My staff's great at that. Y'all are great at that. It has been a gift to have this community in my life. And I pray the same thing for you. And if community is one of those trials in your life, one of the fiery furnaces in your life, we have core groups. Sign up, engage with community. This is a great opportunity. So the reality that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in was that they had each other to lean on, right? They didn't go through the fire alone. They had each other. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to say in this is that we're called to share with the people 
with the people in our tension and our struggle. And so my hope is that the inn is a place for you to feel like you can come as you are and be honest about the season you're walking in. And so I know right now that life might be tough and I'm right there with you. God is doing here something amidst your trials and your circumstances. When I think of a main character in a story, what makes that character great isn't that they have their life all together, right? What makes them great is that they go through a trial and come out victorious. And sometimes I think that that is the picture that we need to remember is that when we take ourselves outside, we can remind ourselves of the bigger story that's at play. And that's that Jesus wins. We have the victory. We know how the story ends. We have the victory, right? So that's the hope that we have. That's how we get through the fiery furnace is that we know that Jesus wins. That's our hope that our circumstances don't defeat us. Christ wins in the end. So one of the things I also love about Daniel 3 is that all of their bindings are burnt off. Their cloaks are totally intact. Not a hair on their head is singed. They don't smell of fire. Everything is lost or everything isn't lost in that. But the only thing that's defeated in the fire was what was holding them back, their bindings. God is setting us free. And I know some of us feel like we're currently in the fire. Hang in there. You're not alone. My encouragement to you is to lean into community. Keep your eyes open for where God is at work and to know that God is with us. And that might look a little bit different than we expect. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for hope. I thank you that you love us and that you're for us. God, thank you that you never leave us and never forsake us. God, help us be molded into people that remember your goodness, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you and miss the trials and storms of this life, that you are consistent and that you are good, that we can count on you, God, you are good through it all and that doesn't change. God, help us remember that our circumstances don't define your love for us. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. Amen.